Hello, 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 and welcome to Anyone for Coffee, the women's health podcast funded by the lovely folks at the Pulse Award, the Britpods, and the Welcome Trust. I'm Sarah Golding, and well, here we are, episode 13. Unlucky for some. (laughs) Yeah, these next three episodes are focusing on, I guess, elements of my actual crazy, wonderful pitch and trough of life. My constant battle with eczema and allergies, my mental health struggles. I know for a fact that, well, if I was not eczematic and this allergic Sarah, you here before you, I would certainly be a very different person, I do feel. And that kind of makes me want to cry. But just thinking about all the things that I do not do or did not do because of my skin condition, all the things I did and am doing because of it as well. I mean, I I need to embrace that me and have solace in my meanness because I am this one and only me right like you're the one and only you obviously and any other version is impossible so I have to just enjoy and love this me (laughs) and I guess this is all I know how to do me right (laughs) to be me and I yeah I can't see that changing I'm afraid so this is what you're stuck with world for hopefully a decade or two or three five would be nice more so the audio fiction today oh I worry I worry it's a little bit of a wallow in a lack of self-confidence and a bit of self-depreciation but I am going to share it because it is how at certain points I have felt it's not how I feel every day it is how I am sure millions of others feel or have felt perhaps not every day but sometimes perhaps due to other conditions too that hinder and hamper and dampen your confidence and self-worth nothing to do with eczema perhaps you just feel this way anyway maybe this is what people go through i don't know because i've only lived as me so far i think (gasps) can it be proven not in a carnivore so part one of three of charlie's story is coming up and she she's having a very bad skin day, skin week. She starts to talk to you from her bed, place of solace and calm. And the pain is very prevalent. It's everywhere. Her face, her neck, her torso, her arms, her legs. She's found in the last year, she's also allergic to white toilet paper. So, ooh, you know, nice. So she is low and is reminiscing about the condition and how it was hampering her love life, her thoughts about herself and as she says I do hope I really do that there's a Jill in your life or a few of them which is beautifully voiced by the wonderful Fiona Thrail hello Fiona I adore you so here we go part one of three of Charlie's story enjoy hey have you um have you ever had a A real itch to scratch. Like, truly, really, no metaphor, no little tickle sated by a quick flurry of nails rubbing across the irritated side. No, I'm talking that 
momentary ecstasy of a truly deep, satisfying, flutingly orgasmic scratch of an itch with short, nailed hands. And sometimes, just sometimes, in times of true desperation, the hairbrush comes out, and then the hairdryer. Then the absolute pain, the continual hating yourself for having such weakness. You have to get used to the metallic smell of your own blood streaking and smearing unrepentantly and randomly across clothes, sheets, towels, pillows with no apology. You get used to it, you do. Yeah, but um, that doesn't mean you like it. This is why we can't have nice things. Or wear white tops. No. No, it... This flaring, raw, bastard of a skin condition follows you around like the bad, lingering smell it is. Combat it with under-breath curses and swiftly, skillfully blot it with tissues, slew paper, not white clothes, whatever comes to hand, really. And... It is fascinating sometimes to watch it globule or spread your life's blood free at last as if all it really wanted to do was escape spreading bigger on the outside maybe yeah yeah it's gross but we've all got it right blood it's just that some of us hold it in better than others yeah in pursuit of the itch Oh, that moment of non-existence when you're you're somewhere, not here, in momentary bliss. Or maybe that's presence, hmm. enlightenment, a glimpse of being in the true now. But then, oh, then there's the grossness, right? The under the nails and private places, the whole area infections and... Sometimes the sloth, the weeping and the pus and the seepage of that clear, sweet liquid that erupts from your body in the vain hope of starting the healing process as soon as you break or split or raggedly and accidentally sever teensy layers of yourself, gazillions of them, and the pain... You've had a paper cut, right? Imagine being covered in loads and loads of those to varying degrees of size and depth and girth where your knicker lining is, on your wrists, down your legs, behind and in and around your ears and in your hair and your nose and your eyes. Oh, don't get me started on the eye bogies. I bear an allergic person is disgusting. You audibly squelch. You make noises people without allergies do not. If you rub your hands, no matter how many layers of moisturiser you put on them, they sound like cheap sandpaper rubbing together. You look at your paper-like battle-trenched arms or legs or trunk or goodness forbid your face or anywhere ruined by the ravage of a terrible night and 
it can look like and feel like you've been attacked by some kind of rabid wild thing, but you did it to yourself and you couldn't stop. Well, you could have, I guess, but you, you didn't. But you couldn't, could you? No. You're compelled by a, a need beyond understanding with a, an inability by craving to stop that itch by any which ways but loose. <sighs> Hello world, I'm Charlie. Sorry, I should have said that first. I'm talking to you from my lovely bed. <sighs> Beds are safe, sometimes. See, bed is where I feel right now and uh, sporadically through each crazy passing year that I am dying just a little quicker in a sea of my own teeny sloughed dead skin cells. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, yeah. And we all know what dust is. And yet, time... Time can slow down a bit when I'm here. Pain does that, I guess, doesn't it? Sometimes. Well, I don't know. I don't know where else to go when I when I feel like this. Like I feel like my blood is is on the, the outside because I've scratched so much, and everywhere I touch is blood, and everywhere I look, it's it's not art, but there are dabs, spots, pinpricks, swipes of it, streaks of it, patterns and blotches and splotches. Not enough for a murder scene, but, well, sometimes it kind of fills you with disgust at yourself to see it. So a little of you kind of dies repulsed when you do, if that makes sense. It feels ashamed you did that to yourself, appalled. And... <sighs> Hoovering up the debris of the skin formerly known as Charlie Hornblow. Yeah, last thing I want to blow is is that trumpet. Oh, blood. Sorry, enough of that grossness. Um, as you may have gathered, I'm an allergic person, quite chronically. Though, thankfully, not to everything. I'm an ex-medic, asthmatic, hydromatic, introverted extrovert of a woman. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. <laughs> Yay. But mostly, I'm a Charlie. Yeah, sometimes a right Charlie, I guess. <laughs> I daily can't believe anyone in their right mind could fancy me, let alone love me. Like this. But they have. They do. I think. I think back to my post uni days, those solitary adult days of struggle and fresh aired freedom, adventure and exploration of me and mine, and, well, financial issues aside, it was a struggle. I'd had a few boyfriends and interest from all sorts of places, <laughs> but I was feeling, I was feeling particularly lonely 
in that time of my life. You know that bit when, when lots of folks around you seem to suddenly be sorting themselves out, yeah? Getting engaged, having babies, moving in together, traveling. And I was still having drunken night bus adventures and pub crawls and what I like to call um, ninja love. <laughs> in, out, never seen again. Hi, bye, hi. Nothing tangible that truly was going anywhere, but I'm not saying it wasn't fun, <laughs> especially the French fellas. I think my skin condition repressed me, like the me that looks out through my eyes, my shell made me me. I remember feeling the lowest. Cracked skin, bad heels, dry knees, ripped face, allergic to stitching in clothes, grass, metal, tomatoes, dogs, cats, my neck. I nearly ripped to shreds after staying at a friend's house one time. She had uh, new cats and lovely little kittens that apparently had slept on the mattress that I fell into in some kind of laugh-filled stupor of some kind. And those new gorgeous little kittens, cute as cute can be, meant me destroying myself overnight in an itching frenzy. I, I probably tried to coat myself in six months' worth of cream, as for every layer I put on, I scratched 16 off. Beer hadn't helped, I suppose. I do like a beer. Buy me one one day if you like, I won't mind. And it took me about six weeks to recover from that. The next morning, my friend was like, You alright? And I was like, Yeah, inside. My whole body, every single cell was screaming because it hurt. Yeah, of course, I didn't say anything, and I. I just remember feeling so heavy, walking slowly, like some kind of zombie. My skin was like paper on a windswept grey, slightly foggy Hampstead Heath with that university pal the morning after this cat bed experience. I had rubbish unmatching clothes on, as they were the only ones loose enough to feel comfortable in. And my pal, Jill, ah. Bless her, she was all loved up, like, totally. This is who I'm going to marry type, yeah. She was adamant she was going to spend the rest of her life with this gorgeous fella she'd met travelling around on holiday in Turkey. Incidentally, she's she's still with him. And he's still bloody gorgeous. <laughs> and um, we were walking and uh, I just felt shit and... I didn't want to be walking, I wanted to be curled up here in my duvet with a cup of good coffee and some chocolate and I remember she said So, who are you doing these days? <laughs> doing? <laughs> Anyone will have me To be honest mate, old buddy, old pal uh, I don't think anyone could ever love me Never, ever, ever I mean, I'm 
I'm ugly, I'm random, my dress sense is terrible, I'm, I'm cracking up in more ways than one, huh? <laughs> and I bleed all over the sheets, um, constantly. I mean, who wants that, right? I mean, why can't eczema just come off in one big thing, like a, a snake? <laughs> Be a lot better. And uh, I mean, look at me, look at... Look what my skin has made me do. I've got no sense of fashion at all. Oh, shell suit, tracksuit, bottoms and baggy, easy wipe, dungies will make a comeback, you know, somewhere. <laughs> Possibly. Actually, no, I'm lying. How can you wear those things? People can hear you coming a mile away. <laughs> no, don't comment on that. Oh, Jill, 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 I am. Um... I actually don't think, I actually don't think I'll find anyone like you have. I mean, for a start, you're actually beautiful and English rose, actually. It was a time I said actually about every third word for some reason. Oh, shut up. She said, and punched my arm bloody hard. Ow, that was bloody hard. It's true, actually. So if I was um, as into you, I'd consider it, I guess. Saucy? No, you wouldn't. Gooses would say boo to you first. Yeah. Would. But, I don't know, I just, I just want, I'd like, please, world, just someone to cuddle. That's not too much to ask, is it? I feel, I, I guess I feel lonely. I love my own company, of course, but I dream of a big manly man with big arms and big everything. I mean, what's that, um... Oh, that Jim Cartwright character from uh, Two or Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Iger. <laughs> I love big men, big men to to go to the pub with, to get the rounds in, to have outrageous jump off the wardrobe, stand by to repel borders, business time with you know. Stop scratching. I can't help it. You're bleeding. Stop. I can't help it. Bleeding ugly, actually. Okay, if you say one more bad thing about yourself, I'm just going to walk away and keep walking, and I'm taller than you, so you wouldn't be able to keep up. So behave. Yeah. I was so depreciative. Self-worth was not high on my list. I can do that now too, so, so well, sometimes after a bevy or two, because I'm so different to the women I know. Uh, don't fit. And I just, I wish sometimes I was a bit more womany, but it's, it's kind of a, Hard thing when you can't wear stuff or 
do stuff to make things nice because it affects your skin. I mean, if I could talk to myself then and shake me and say, come on, snap out of it, you will, you will find someone amazing. <laughs> I'll try. But, well, I'm certain I'd soon waver back into sad sack, woe is me territory and not even believe my future self. <laughs> because I couldn't see how someone could love me, I guess. Stop it. Beauty is only in the eye of the beholder. But my man is blind. Beauty's being comfortable in your own skin, right? Yeah, well, mine ends up all over the floor and my shoes and my bed and my clothes and... She's your hard work today. It's all prescriptive, personal, bespoke, skin... Skin deep. Yeah. Yeah. But what if... What if there's no skin left to look under? It's all flaked away. Shut up, you dickhead. Uh, oh, I took out a tissue and surreptitiously stuffed up my arm at a bit I knew I'd just scratched too much. There was a ragged red splotch already on my new top on my right shoulder. I'd have to wash it again. Oh, come on, you're lovely, you are. You're fun. <laughs> Great fun. Oh, come on. We didn't speak for a bit and walked. I was slightly consumed by the fresh troughed pain on my arm. Oh, it hurt. And it itched. Why does it do that at the same time? And my legs itched and come to think of it, my back too. I think maybe a stray cat hair got stuck there and caused havoc. Oh, the human body sucks. We need longer arms to reach stuff and better nervous systems. It's a continual dilemma to scratch or not to scratch, to be or not to be in the moment. Huh? And I guess Jill wasn't sure what else to say. Oh, I felt like a sucky pal. I should have been celebrating her newfound love and all I was doing was wallowing in me, selfish bastard. But... I suppose that's what's being 20 to 30-something is, right? All that uncertainty, that foggy future full of what-ifs and how-ends. She, um, she broke my melancholy reflective silence. Let's sit here. I'm knackered. Look, bench, view, cake. Ah, cake. So much love for cake. <laughs> there you go yes yes those thoughts and feelings were real were mine and well this is the bit now <laughs> where I'd normally interview the guest but I'm the guest so <sighs> I toyed with being a character and interviewing myself I toyed with asking someone else to do it and uh, well it's the decision I made so uh, something slightly different I guess probably part mental um but you know Hopefully it's informative. It's Charlie interviewing me. Uh, fun times. So, Sarah Golding, hello. How are you, how are you feeling today? Uh, that's your first question. 
You should never ask an ex-matic that and look them in the eye because they'll probably cry. Uh, you're holding so much back. Um, so I'll just look at your nose and answer that one. It's a mad week this week, actually. I'm, I haven't slept for probably a long time. And I found my clothes are not comfortable. And I guess I've completely filled my days with so many things to stop myself from sitting still. Because if I sit still, then that itch scratch cycle starts and don't want to go there. <laughs> so how long have you had eczema for? Well, I um, apparently was born a beautiful bouncing baby in the early part of 1975. Beautiful year that was. And uh, three days after I was born, apparently, I, I started to show signs of dry skin on my uh, hands and behind my uh, knees and in my arm crevices, I think. And since then, it's pretty much been here, prevalent in my life forever. I don't remember a day eczema-free at all. I have always had these old person's hands. I I could slightly digress, but I, I play a lot of old ladies and I feel like part of me could do that because in my mind's eye, I was physically partly an old lady from about the age of eight. <laughs> so my first role was Grandma and Adrian Maul. I did love that. The battle read impression. And essentially, I remember it being hugely a part of my kind of internal dialogue about how I'm assessing everything in my world, what to do, how to do it, and how, what people think of you, you know? It's, you can't help it as humans as to that perception of if you haven't met someone before and they need to shake your hand or they're looking at your face and it's bright red or cut or just not looking particularly pleasant, what they then assume of you is fascinating. So... Yeah. So what are your first memories of having it be an issue? Were you, you bullied or called names at school or I had a few really tough times as a kid, I think. I don't think it was horrific. I didn't know go home crying about things, but I think it's just what's almost certainly made me a, a piper opera in life rather than a life and soul of the party takeover kind of person <laughs> just in as much as I I found it d difficult to look people in the eye I think till I was at least in year 10 at school so that's fourth year I used to look at people's noses not their eyes because I couldn't meet their their eye <laughs> And I remember doing that and thinking, maybe I have the confidence now to look at that person's eye. Because I didn't want people to look at me, and I felt perhaps that if I wasn't looking in their eyes, they couldn't see my face. Oh, that sounds very odd, doesn't it? But that's how I felt. And my face was generally quite clear, actually, for a good period of my life. It's only now I'm a bit older, a lot older, that it's come a problem, and especially since I had light therapy, which... I guess I'll talk about it in May, but yeah, I just remember things, simple things like, you know, you get in a circle and hold hands and like the shock of someone holding your hand and it's like the normal hand and it's not sort of that gentle feeling of softness. It's sort of this, uh, yeah, slightly drier, rougher, tougher skin. And, and if you look at a kid's hand who has eczema as well and it's covered in cuts as a child, your potential first reaction is going to be, oh, it's disease, so I'm going to catch something, it's contagious. 
Uh, lucky and all that. So I did have various issues like that. But actually, when I was at Isleworth Town School in London, hooray, it was my first school I properly remember. So from the age of, what, five, I guess? I did have a few other people in that year group that had eczema. So it, it didn't feel like I was completely on my own suffering that. And it wasn't hugely prevalent across my body. It was essentially as a child on my hands and my extremities and essentially my head, I guess. And so I could function with cream. I mean, Ungwenta Merck was my cover of choice for a very long time in my life. And that is very thick moisturiser. It sort of gives you a waxy sheen to your face. And yeah, it did feel like you are enclosing yourself in, you know, this moisturised layer. And moisturising is so key. I mean, we here in the interview with the medical professional, the lovely Julia Wheeler, who talks about, you know, keeping moisturised is winning half the battle in some respects. Although people who want to try the no moisturising treatment would beg to differ. But there is so much that I think happens as a kid when you have anything that aesthetically presents as different. And that can be down to physiological positioning of your facial features. It can be, you know, red wine birthmarks. It can be, oh, so many things. And But yeah, eczema, yeah, it, it, it is continually treatable, but it, it never seems to, to get solved as far as mine is concerned. And that's the thing. It's just keeping on top of making it manageable I guess, for a lot of people. And as a kid, my mum especially, she was a district nurse, amazing. Hooray for district nurses all over the world, especially my mum, who's amazing. And my dad is amazing too, but it just, my mum was more of my personal sort of sorter-outer for medical care. And I know she used to get quite sad and like, oh, I'm sorry you've got it. How have you got it? And nobody else in the family has. And and that was another interesting thing is like, yeah, that genetically... In my immediate family, there wasn't anyone else presenting as a kid with this condition. So there wasn't any experience of it, if you like. Since I've grown up, I think my cousins and a few other folks have have shown a few very mild kind of eczematic issues, but nothing to how mine was presenting. So I fathomed through a major amount of dermatologists that I saw over, specialists I saw over, over the years, especially my teenage years and onwards. And I was, yeah, looked at and, hmm, that <laughs> a lot. And each of those different appointments always come at different times when you're perhaps not as bad as you really want to showcase it is when it's bad. It's that sod's little thing of, yeah, when, you know, your hand is swollen to several times the size it should be and covered in cuts and looking purple and blue and all sorts of different wonderful colours and your arms are pockmarked and sore and bright red. Your face is, you know, looking again a little bit swollen and, and very red. I go for the reddest of red. It's very odd. That yeah, you, you never get to see some reason the specialist when it is that bad. So as uh, Julia talks about, I think if you are having bad flare-ups, I, I learned myself as well to just take pictures when things are crazy so that when you do get to see that professional who's going to perhaps try and diagnose something to, to be more helpful, that you have that record to to show them. But yeah, essentially, I mean, you know, it's affected me as a 
a kid with regards to things like going swimming and stuff, you know, and you don't want to show off the horrid bits and you can't hide with a costume on can you really it's just there and the aftercare you know other kids you've got to be in and out of a swimming pool as a kid in a swimming session or shower after PE but exmatics you can't and you know teachers won't really quite fathom or didn't that that was an issue so I never really used to shower I used to pretend I'd shower because the aftermath of doing that in a 40 minute lesson or whatever it was just wouldn't have worked for me and my specific condition. So little things like that, you know, just build up and you do you do feel that difference in you and other people because of those kind of things. Yeah, so what kind of treatments have you had? What's your next options to try? Mostly it's been a huge variety of creams. I mean, goodness, trying to even list that I started to do that and there have been so many (laughs) things I've tried creams wise there's a massive amount of emollients you can use I think Dermavent Diprobase oil atom cream that's my one of choice at the minute I'm going to murk your paraffin your 50-50 liquid paraffin I mean I didn't realize how flammable I was as a kid (laughs) You know, and that's kind of worrying. So don't smoke and put your eczema creams on, kids. You could do yourself a... Kids? Adults? You could do yourself a, a damage. The prickly heat soap, do you remember the smell of that? That kind of carbolic thing. That's the smell of shampoos, various shampoos. So coal tar, yeah? Most eczematics of my age will have had the smell of coal tar shampoo at some point to deal with their head eczema. Like I always try new stuff. So they're doing a lot of things with bees all the time, aren't they? Because bees are allegedly, you know, that whole allergic because they deal with flowers and, and all that. That I've taken honey orally. No, no, orally. <laughs> Not in my ears. <laughs> Lots of fun creams to try if you're game and give them a go. Um, they promise all sorts of things to stop the itch. That they're steroid free. They're paraben free. They've got no artificial ingredients. They soothe things, and they they're suitable for your sensitive areas. All those kind of things. And you think, oh, but what if it works? What if it works? I'll try. I'll try anything. To be honest, I'll try most things. Well, um, but yeah, I, I think with the range of stuff I've tried, I think over the years, obviously, I've always always come back to steroids. And I think now I'm paying the price for doing that. I used to have, as I say, mad patches on my ankles and hands. And I've lost pigment in my hands because of the amount of steroids that was being applied and then used in the sun and and so on. And uh, so I feel also currently there's the steroid withdrawal kind of cycle, which seems I'm reading up about every day and it seems to be that your body starts to crave stroke react to stroke get used to stroke do weird things because of your steroid use in the past and i'm currently experiencing the craziest like red face every four to six weeks or so and there's nothing else i'm doing that's different perhaps it's linked also to my actual lady cycles of joy which possibly is you know (laughs) i'm approaching the change (sighs) which is also weird but yeah i I still honestly i feel 22 i'm gonna keep saying that it's because i believe (laughs) but yeah i just think with regards to the treatment of things you know there are so many things you can slap on your skin to try and help alleviate 
things. It's the heat I can't deal with, right? How many of you sufferers just almost feel nuclear, right? And I don't know quite the variables of when and how it happens. And maybe I should do a study on myself to a great degree because honestly, I put a temperature gauge thing on me and I was like a hundred and something just on different parts of my body and you're just thinking that's not right is it so yeah essentially treatments wise mostly creams I have tried oral steroids don't hate me I have tried diets I've been on wheat free dairy free gluten free I taken out and done those patch testing where they put like little tiny, like almost like the size of a, oh gosh, what's the size? <laughs> not very big. <laughs> Can you imagine not very big? Yeah. So basically, I don't know, what is that size? I can't think, like an, a nail head size, maybe of a, a nail, as in a, a bang, bang, bang nail, not a bite, you know, although maybe you want to bite bang, bang nails because people do weird things. And yeah, so on your back, they put like, I don't know, 100 or however many they can fit on little tiny kind of sectionalized grids of a variety of materials, which will be like grass pollen, nickel, tomatoes, dog hair, basically allergens, things that people potentially could be allergic to. And that stays on your back for a couple of days. So you can't wash that part of your area, but you can, you know, face wash and do your down downstairs behaviors and essentially they again go back and they take this sellotaped massive area on your back off and whichever bits on your back are then raised bumps obviously have shown a reaction and then they can chart what you're reacting to i've had that done a couple of times and essentially yes i'm allergic to cats and dogs and grass and pollen and yeah and a nickel but there was so much that i thought i was allergic to and it didn't show up so there's those kind of variables too. But I find like my triggers, again, are so many. It's like simple as dust, 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 cake. No, I'm not allergic to cake, thank God. I don't think I'm allergic to I actually have never cut out cakes and maybe I'm allergic. Maybe wouldn't that be awful if that was my true trigger? Although no, I wouldn't have had cake at three days old. So unless my mum had cake. Oh, never mind. Uh, so triggers are hugely wide-ranging and the dread oh of going to someone's house. I love my friends and I love animals I truly do the dread of going to someone's house with animals nobody can know if they don't have eczema and asthma or both and it's so upsetting you know you're going to sit on a sofa and you can see the hairs and it's almost like you know with those computer games when your computer goggles would like highlight and show the makeup of whatever thing you're focusing on it's like that with dog and cat hairs and you're there you're going cat hairs everywhere oh my god and it sort of instantly makes me feel tense and I try I love my friends so much with animals and they love animals and and of course they're animal their dog's going to come and sniff my crotch straight away and of course cats want to come and sit on my lap right and I'm like hello I love I love the animals so much but I I know that repercussions of that, if I don't deal with when I'm out of that house, the situation, then it could be weeks before I'm better. So psychologically preparing to go into battle and someone's lovely house that you can't wait to see and you love 
And they come in in slow motion for a cuddle and you can see cat hairs all over their shoulders and you're thinking, (laughs) it's just these little things that build up and build up that cause this tense anxiety within you, right? That other people just wouldn't understand. It's just, it's almost like you're moaning at something, but no, because, you know, I remember having a cuddle with my dad. I think they'd had had a dog at the time and a stray hair, however it did, got down into my back. And I was like thinking, "Mm, something not quite right there. And oh my goodness, it took honestly about six weeks to recover from that one hair having made its way down my back. And I had no other way of combating it or dealing with it. It's just so, so if I... If I kind of come in for a cuddle with you and know you've had a cat, if you feel me like not properly going in, even though I want to, it's it's just because of that. No other reason. <laughs> so it is 100% proven that if I know you haven't got animals, maybe I'll hug a bit tighter. <laughs> Treatments-wise, goodness, I have never been in hospital like overnight or anything that severe, thankfully. And I think if it ever does get that bad, then I I should be done for anyway, because that's, for me, I can mostly control it, I (laughs) think-ish. But I have done day treatment in the Wilkinson Day Ward, which is in Amersham, and huge kudos to the wondrous souls who daily moisturise other people through their pain and talk to them gently and beautifully about how nice they look and how things are improving and how they do deserve to be here and how it's important to get the mental health space and solace to think and breathe without any other worries or concerns. And there's beautiful pictures on there. They're wraparound curtains of the local environ. But yeah, beautiful people there. So thank you to Amersham dermatologically based people because... I have had moments of solace there. In the same area, I used to go to the dermatology department. But, you know, there's no consistency of care. I think that's what's difficult. You can't see the same specialist each time. And I think that would really help. That's been my experience. Maybe you're lucky. But I just feel like you start again each time. And some are more concerned about, you know, the mental health aspects of treating you. And some just go straight in for the, well, you need steroids. Bye. Um, so, uh, there's been a, a mixed bag throughout my life, not just, I'm t- not talking about Amish, I'm talking about every single place where, you know, some people, I remember in a particular time when I was really bad and they could see I was bad. And I think I was teaching, I was teaching full time at the time and I just had no headspace and I just couldn't stop to to make me better. I just couldn't. It's perpetual. Everything that was happening was full on. And she just said to me, how are you feeling? And she looked me in the eye and I just cried. I, it was just like it was the first time maybe someone had actually said that properly and I couldn't verbalise it. I just cried it out. Uh, and she uh, she was wonderful and prescribed me some other things to try and play with and get myself better. But it is that whole battle consistently that people do not see with eczema. Well, there you go. Uh, That was me (laughs) talking a little bit on uh, triggers and how eczema itself manifests in my life. And if that resonates with you, do have a check out of some of the lovely, useful links in our show notes for places to look at for 
mindfulness and help and information and there's some wonderful work the eczema uk charity is doing to make the lives of those suffering from eczema that little bit better so we turn now to julia wheeler who is the expert of the day she works in and out of the amersham hospital which i've mentioned already and here we talk on where and how people can find some help get your pen ready some brilliant sites to make a note of here and if you missed them, don't worry, they'll be on the show notes. Enjoy! I am hugely excited to welcome Julia Wheeler, who is an educational development nurse with the British Dermatological Nursing Group and right now is working on the front line as a nurse for the South Bucks Healthcare NHS Trust. Welcome, Julia. Hello. It's very, very cool to speak to Hi. you. Hi. Nice to speak to you too. <laughs> now, as as uh, I've kind of chatted to you briefly before this podcast interview started, I'm really looking to find places where folks with eczema can get help and information today. And the most important thing, I guess, is to just define what eczema really is. If people haven't ever ever come across it, or perhaps know of somebody who says I've got it, what does having eczema mean, and how does it manifest? Well. I think it's really important to understand that eczema is a chronic condition. Mm. So uh, people who have it are usually, you know, born with it and they have a susceptibility to it throughout their whole life. Uh, they may have it very mildly and it can sort of become more severe for some people. Mm. For many people, it sort of disappears through early childhood and and that's fine for most people. But for not everybody has that fortunate experience and for some people it just you know progresses and continues throughout their entire life really as I say it just waxes and wanes a little bit it just Mm. flares from time to time and it's not always clear why that is and then so some people have episodes where they really struggle it's not very evident necessarily what's triggered a flare Mm. you know it's just learning to live with it and learning to work out what is best for your body and sort of carrying out treatment appropriately throughout your whole life avoiding certain things and and understanding really what you need to do to manage it. it it's not just a skin condition it well well it is a skin condition but it does have other implications and I, I think that's what's happened with me, that I, I had eczema from three days old and essentially went from pillar to post, doctors saying, ah, oh, yes, you'll grow out of it, you'll be fine. And my mother, my father coming along with me to, to various uh, appointments with uh, various folks. I can remember sort of people staring at my knees a lot and uh, <laughs> yeah. and all, all sorts of, you know, various treatments that I've tried over the years. And, and it manifests in different ways, doesn't it? I think some people, I, I had it just on my hands and my ankles for quite a long period of my life. And then it started to spread and balloon. And I've seen people, you know, covered from head to toe or having the face eczema and yeah. uh, things that are specific to regions of the body for one reason or another. And I think when people have asked me about about uh, you know why do you get it you know what what triggers it and all that and I think for me personally there are so many variables including you know my own cycles of womanliness and and also various things I eat and do in my environment in my life and my stress and you know things specific to I don't know the the clothes I wear and the material that's made of and so on so there's so many things that can trigger different people so it's really hard to treat eczema with one 
golden chalice, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. There's um, a lot to think about, a lot of things that could potentially be triggering it and making yeah. it worse for people, yeah. Yeah, and so I wonder if today we could just focus in on if somebody has got eczema and perhaps they've tried a few avenues, where else could they find some help and information just to perhaps find other ways of helping them to treat their condition? Well, I think the first thing to stress really is that People often Google, where will I get help? Where can I find the answer? And it's really important that people are focused on some valid and reliable source for information. You will read a hundred million things about this magic cream that can, you know, turn everything around for you. And um, there isn't a miracle cure, I'm afraid. If there was, we'd be, you know, helping people a lot more uh, with it, you know, in hospitals and everything. So... It's really important that you go to the right places. And so I hope I can help you with that. The first place I tell my patients to go to is the National Eczema Society. This is an organisation, it's a charity, um, and it's a patient support group. So it's available to anybody to, you know, you can just go on the website and get information. They have a huge amount of resources on there. If you want to become a member, it's about £25 a year. They'll send you a magazine. They have an annual event and, you know, sort of product news. So they keep you up to date with all the different changes in medication and things that are, that are happening. They also have a helpline. And I think that's really important because mm. it provides the opportunity to ring up and have a conversation with somebody in person and discuss your particular concern and your problems directly with a person, you know, who's an expert in eczema management. But if you just want to read about it, they have a huge number and variety of information sheets. So they Mm -hmm. cover everything really from sun protection and which sunscreens are going to be helpful, you know, what are going to make things worse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Suggestions on clothing and food and, of course, treatments and the use of topical steroids, which is of a lot of concern to some people. Oh, goodness, yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's something I've been exploring because I've had loss of pigment and stuff because of having used that as a child so avidly, perhaps, and not knowing the, the longer term effects at that point, I think, as well, is fascinating. Yes, and that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? Getting information, as you said at the top of this, that is trustworthy and reliable. And obviously, these folks are geared towards, you know, finding the best inquirers and researchers and people who are really invested in uh, making Exmatics world that much better. I just want to share the number as well actually if you've got a pen you can write this down it's 0800-448-0818 and all of the links to this will be on the website show notes so please do check these out at the end of the session mm. and as a charity you know they, they also can uh, set up events and all sorts don't they for folks to get involved in if they want that's to. right i think it's really helpful sometimes to connect with people who understand what you're going through yes. and so there's that opportunity to you know, and share ideas and um, just, you know, understand you're not the only person who's experiencing this misery. For sure. Uh, that's absolutely the whole point of this podcast because I've not known many exmatics who've had it as bad as I have throughout my life and so to connect with somebody online and or in person who knows what it's like to face the day you know when you have to go to work or you have to get your kids to school or you have to you know food and clothe everybody that when you're feeling just like you cannot move an inch and I think yes sharing some stories and having that true empathy is something you know 
know, money can't buy. That's exactly <laughs> really right. Can't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that's brilliant. So that's our first port of call. Where else might you suggest folks have a, a good delve into? Well, there's a website called the British Association of Dermatologists. And this is really more focused for doctors. However, they do have a really good um, number of resources for people with skin disease. Uh, they have some patient information leaflets. And they also have a short selection of videos which help you to understand topical steroids more. It help you to learn how to apply applications, you know, scalp applications, for example. Great. Yeah, just sort of practical advice and practical information. So yeah. I would suggest having a quick look at that. Great. I mean, and this is on top of obviously having connected with the GP, if you've suddenly realised that this is something that is new and you've yes. never seen before, yeah. obviously first port of call is your Absolutely. medical professional team. It, it is, <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. But yeah. obviously some people find it very difficult to get the support they want. And I think doing some oh. background information, uh, reading and research will help equip you when you do go for that appointment. I think it's yeah. really important that when you have your consultation with a GP or, or a dermatologist, that you understand how you want the conversation to flow, that you identify what your learning objectives are and what you hope to achieve from the consultation so that you can you know, gain something at the end of it. It's not all about the medical practitioner, whoever they are, you know, giving you the treatment that they want to give you. It's about coming up with a, a, you know, with a conversation that is supportive and, you know, helps you in the way that you're able to, you know, comply with and, and, yes. and use. Yeah. So I, I think a little bit of research is helpful. Another place I'd like to sort of identify as well, perhaps if you are struggling with getting the support that you need, would be, you know, just to look at the NICE guidelines and the NICE yeah. guidelines are uh, sort of guidelines that are written to direct doctors on the treatment pathways for the management of many different conditions, including eczema. They have clinical knowledge summaries, which sort of give you an overview of eczema as well. So they're a good resource to look at, but they provide the stepped approach that is necessary for the management of mild, moderate and severe eczema. And I think it's helpful because it helps whoever's got it recognize very clearly what treatments are you know set in stone really and the first approach to management and then the second you know uh, yes. it provides a stepped approach to managing your skin not every gp will have all of the insights into skin disease yeah. and so if you've got a little bit of insight yourself when you go you can work things through together more easily I think mm, I think that's brilliant advice and I think as what's come out of the previous podcast episodes as well that if you do feel that you're sort of hitting a brick wall for whatever reason you can get a second opinion and go to someone else within the same practice or area so you know don't think that if someone has said yeah it's, uh, it's fine just get some moisturizer on it and you're not happy then obviously if you aren't happy you need to get a second opinion and, and get to the the crux of what will help you and make you feel like you're making some progress because living with it when it's bad is is horrible I know this I have done it <laughs> so yes I think trying to get the help is key <laughs> I would say so but in the GP's defense very often it's hard for patients to fulfill all of the information and you know the advice that mm. they've been given and I think a lot of patients go and they're given all of this information and they don't want to take it all on board and I think right. You have to come up with an agreement between you and the medical professional 
as to what is achievable for you and what you're not prepared to do for yourself, you know, so that yeah. there's a, a clear and open understanding between you. There is, you know, a, a first line approach to managing eczema, and that is, mm. you know, topical steroids and moisturisers. Moisturisers are the fundamental and the most important part of managing eczema, and yeah. topical steroids the second, and they are really necessary. And if your doctor is asking you to put them on and you don't, it's very difficult for them to sort of move you on to the next stage of treatment and, mm. and offer you more support if you're struggling to comply. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's definitely about communication then if that's happening and you need to think, well, why are you not able to do these things that the medical professional has given as, you know, your first port of call? So, so yeah, I think there's, the communication is key full stop, isn't it, really? It is, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so where else can folks find this wondrous help and guidance from? Okay, well, there are several apps that they could be looking at as well. Mm. I don't know how successful patients really find them or, you know, whether they actually engage with them very much. But there are quite a few out there. And I suppose we're getting a little bit more confident in using all this technology now. So it's always worth exploring them. A couple that I sometimes discuss with my patients, one would be the EZ track or EZ track, um, Mm -hmm. as as it sounds. And this is really targeting adults and it allows users to upload images of their skin to use as a record and a baseline so that when they go and see their medical professional, they can demonstrate clearly, you know, it's always the way, isn't it? When you go to your GP, things are much, much better. Or, or, you know, you feel that it was worse the week before. (laughs) So if you can demonstrate that you've really been struggling over recent weeks with images, but Mm. it's not just images, you know, because obviously eczema affects so much more than the skin and psychological you know the way it affects your mood you know you can document that as well Mm, and I I think you know you may only have very mild eczema but it can also really severely impact the way you feel about yourself and the way you're able Mm. to engage you know in employment and relationships and everything so absolutely Mm. yeah it's it's important to consider both sides of the story really and this kind of app allows you to document all of the elements that you know eczema is affecting you There are a few others as well. There's one that's more designed for teenagers and one that's designed for children. So I think it's called Eczema Outreach, which is more of a teenage focus. And the Amoli Zoo, which is very pictorial and tries to promote adherence to treatment. Because I think for children, there's a real reluctance to have that bath and to have that cream put on. But, you know, because sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it causes them to feel you know pain and and anxiety and you know they're having to deal with it so so having some kind of reward system or just incentive to engage with the treatment is is really helpful sometimes for, for children absolutely I can absolutely remember feeling like I've been stung all over by a certain moisturizer and and because I guess you don't know any different as a child because you've potentially always had to put these things on so there is that kind of element too but yeah it doesn't stop things being uncomfortable and so anything to help yeah reward your child if they have it for doing you know those daily things daily care is is really really a great idea I definitely think that (laughs) yeah there are other apps there's one which I think is quite useful and it's a poem app it's so poem stands for patient-oriented eczema measurement and it Uh looks at eczema severity and you know although it doesn't really enable you to get better as it were it's Mm. just evidence collection that you can use 
Yeah. Uh, you know, when you go to your GP and, you know, it just it's just a way of sharing, you know, how, how everything's been affecting you. Yes, and that is so key, I think, because, you know, days pass so quickly and when you're in the thick of the chronic pain and dealing with, you know, whatever your life is like, whether that be with employment or family issues, that, yes, you kind of perhaps sometimes forget about yourself. And so, yeah, yeah taking just a moment out of your day, it wouldn't take too long to, to just start that documentation, which will hopefully help you to also celebrate those clear times. And, yeah, so, uh, definitely. So, yeah, to celebrate the victories as well as to be able to, you know, showcase the true reality of what you've been going through uh, with, with visuals and diaries and so on. Fantastic. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> just regards to treatments I mean you say about other countries and things I mean I, in my journey I have tried things like Chinese medicine and mm. uh, and light therapy is the most recent thing in the last few years as well as wet wraps I've actually have to hugely yeah. sing the praises once more of the folks at Amersham daycare and the dermatology department of which I, I've done light therapy down with them and been in the day ward the name suddenly escapes me of the day ward it's called Wilkinson that's Wilkinson. it day unit. Mm. Wilkinson is named after Dr. Wilkinson and his son, um, mm-hmm. sort of senior and junior, and they were sort of very eminent dermatologists in their day. And um, they were sort of leading the department. Okay. Well, I, uh, I cannot yeah. sing its praises enough. Every single person I interacted with there is absolute gem, every one of them. And so oh, I great. hugely thank them for all the help they gave me and, and the patients I spoke to in the time I've been there as well, you know, couldn't speak any higher of the folks working there. And I think, you know, all this clap for NHS and, uh, you know, all that jazz is like for folks, yeah. especially who are on that front line, helping people with their every day just to get through, you know, and I, it's not just the people who are on the edge of death's door and needing operations it's it's the folks no. who are working you know with folks like me so huge appreciation really for everyone in well Amersham. thank you so much you know it's really nice to receive that support and oh. um yeah, thank you. Well, it's it's great to be supported. You know, I think the NHS is a wonderful thing and, and long may it continue. <laughs> the next potential alternative for me was to go along the sort of methotrexate cyclosporin yes. kind of avenue. And I when I looked at the, um, this is just for me personally, and I have yes. spoken to people that yes. really has worked for them beautifully yeah. for that immunosuppressant. But I just have felt that for me, it's just, I don't feel. You don't want to. I, I no. want to. And I, I think that's the key thing is that like what works for you as that individual because you know the doctor's not treating themselves or the nurse they're they're treating you and it's you that is the focus of that so I think being sort of very much in charge and upfront and thinking and researching is really key to making you comfortable with what you're putting on or in exactly (laughs) well there you go first episode done I hope I made sense and I'm not too wibbly wobbly randomly wibbly I am aren't I I'm sorry I should be more concise I can't be any different because this is me so uh, apologies if you don't like my voice this podcast has been really tough listen Uh, I did consider doing it in different types of accents, but I thought, no, that's even more stupid than what you did. Anyway, huge thanks to Fiona Thrail as Jill and the other cast who uh, appeared in and out of the next few episodes. Diane Alexander as Flo, Kirsten Stansfield as Freya, Lucy Shirley as Rachel and Lara Parker as Gabby. If you're having a bad day and your flare-ups are particularly horrid at this moment, moisturise. Drink water, take time for you, hugs from here. (laughs) Because I know how it feels from the inside out and it ain't pleasant.
key things I'd love you to, to take away from this podcast are that you never know what someone's going through inside. Even if you take a look at them and make your judgment, it might have taken that person hours to even think about leaving their house to come to wherever they see you or you see them. I also want to praise medical professionals and dermatologists everywhere for trying to help people get better. I think people who work in holistic therapies as well, I'm coming for you. I would like to try something else. So if you've got anything else that uh, might work, I know uh, there's a potential sponsor for the podcast who makes CBD oil. That's one way of uh, potentially trying and seeing something else that might work. And in the next couple of episodes, I do talk about potential other therapies and uh, a few people's experiences of of utilising those. So, huge thank yous for joining us today. Thank yous to Matt Hutt and Zach Lemon for this gorgeously groovy music. And ever to my amazing executive producer, Fiona Thrail, for editing my nonsense into a better sounding experience for you the audience so thank you listeners for letting these sound waves boink gently off your ear stirrups and into your brain i hope you have a wonderful day in this beautiful storm that's expected on saturday and it's only thursday but i think maybe we'll have a storm and i hope that if you know someone with eczema you'll be a good jill won't you Give them a bell, see how they're doing, and you. Have a good week. I will speak to you again next week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.